Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about ways to improve your faith life by understanding the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's right. We're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Scripture and in church teaching and how to apply them in your life. Perfect way to start this show, fellas. Come, Holy Spirit. Guys, this is the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, conveyed upon us in its to, in their totality. Uh, these gifts during our confirmation, which you know we'll talk about a little bit later when my kids going in for confirmation this year too, as well. So it'll be a good conversation. You know, and I've got as to, a... I've got to admit, out of everything in the Catholic faith, I think that I have been most neglectful in my understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's the one that's the the hardest for me to understand of everything in the faith is the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's something, an area that I've always wanted to work on spiritually. And I think this episode uh, is a good way to do that. But like the Holy Spirit to me is so mysterious. You know, I, I can understand the concept of God, the father and God, the son, I can understand it, but the Holy Spirit as the third person, of the Trinity, I sometimes don't worship enough as fully God mm. and the gifts that the Holy Spirit yes. specifically gives. I understand the crucifixion. I understand the creation, but then the, the consoler, the, the one who's still with us, the one giving these gifts, God, the spirit, the advocate, the advocate mm. is something that I think is, is lost on me a lot of times. And I can only imagine on a lot of other people too, um, in the same sense. And then, and then God, by way of his providence, gives you a Pentecostal priest, a charismatic ah. Pentecostal. And, <laughs> but, but, you know, like <laughs> I was ordained on the feast of Pentecost, the solemnity of Pentecost and, and uh, just the gifts of the spirit as a charismatic too, just being in the charismatic movement uh, for many years, 20 years now or so just uh, being open to the gifts of the spirit. And, you know, like, most definitely the Lord pulls us together many different charisms. And that's the beauty of the universality of the church and, and, you know, the charism of study and intellect and, and really uh, exploring intellectually by way of revelation shield, like you, you have that in spades. And I think, you know, when you, when you look at the different charisms that the three of us have, you know, you know, Ryan Delacross being that very Eucharistic centered, sacramentally centered uh, charism and, and then, you know, like the sense of how we can all come together and have a very fruitful conversation, you know, the author of that is the Holy Spirit, because it's the convergence of all of these gifts, and we're all building each other up. And we want to give a shout out to all of our patrons out there that support the show, and people who follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and those on YouTube right now, who have not subscribed and click the bell, what are you waiting for? Make sure you hit the subscribe button, click the bell, so that as we continue to produce more and more shows with the Catholic Talk Show, that we can continue to build one another up through the gifts that God has given us. And we have been so gifted by their support, by their encouragement, affirmation. And it's just been awesome to see our community grow over these past five years. It's amazing. Yeah, We really appreciate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we also appreciate the gifts of our patrons. So uh, thank you for that. Now, Father Rich, I know we wanted to lead off with this episode talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and how you were ordained on Pentecost. But just so that we can hook everybody into this episode, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go through all these in detail later and where they come from, but just so you have context for the rest of this episode, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of God. And we're going to go break all of those down and where they come from in Scripture and how you can apply them to your life. But that's what the Holy Spirit, those seven things are the gifts that are given to all Christians. Now, there's the nine there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to some Christians. These seven are given to all Christians as defined by Thomas Aquinas. So, Father Rich, like you said, why don't you lead us off with Acts, the book of Acts and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit so we can start with that reading scripture. My pleasure. Um, you know, so as we open up the Acts of the Apostles in the second chapter, we have the recounting of the birth of the church. So when we talk about Pentecost, we're talking about uh, the very birthing of the church and, and the very reality of the sacramental life is authored by the Holy Spirit. 
So this beginning at verse one in chapter two, the coming of the spirit. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his own native language? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. They were all astounded and bewildered and said to one another, what does this mean? But others said, scoffing, they have had too much new wine. It's Acts 2, concluding at verse 13. And what we could see very, very clearly is that the gift of the Spirit then animates the very charge of Christ in the Great Commission to go out to every nation and to all people, proclaiming the good news and the mighty works of God. And we see the mighty works of God being animated and empowered by the Spirit through the instrumental apostolic college. And so we see this fulfillment of this advocacy that uh, that she was pointing out before, Holy Spirit as advocate, and this sense of paraclete, that, that God is rushing into the works that are continuing through the yes of the apostles to Christ, which I just absolutely love. So, you know, the empowered gifts of the Spirit, we're going to be going into the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and where that comes from in Scripture in, in just a moment. But I want you to just consider that, you know, we could even look at the gift of, of faith that we receive in baptism. The You know, we could look at the sacramental order of our life. We could look at all of these different aspects of our, of our journey as a gift from God, as a gift that we can recognize. Well, who is the author of these gifts? Well, in the invisible exchange of God and the created order, like, it is the Holy Spirit. Like it is absolutely needs to be assigned to the gift of the Spirit. And to really get a greater sense of that, we have to turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And we're going to break open the Catechism in just a minute. But I'd like to start as we reflect on these seven gifts that Ryan Shield listed before. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And this starts at verse one in chapter 11. But a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. So, so in I, these I think it's three really very short verses, we contain those those gifts. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting right there that we get the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit from a prophetic statement about the coming Messiah, about Jesus, right? So the, the gifts of the seven spirit are the traits, the heroic traits um, possessed by Jesus in their fullness. And they are given to us from him in his superabundance, in his fullness of these traits. He then gives them to us through the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life so that we can then participate them and perfect ourselves to become more like him. So I, I really think that understanding they, that, you know, they come from the Holy Spirit, but they're traits of Christ. They are prophetic statements um, for the tree of Jesse. I mean, it, there's a lot of a, a really cool interplay in there. Um, and, I, and I love the emphasis on this is all in relationship to Christ. Right. Like yeah. this is the reason why these gifts are, uh, you know, offered to us in our conformity 
yeah. in our baptism to the life, death, yeah. and resurrection of Christ. And how often, you know, going through Acts, do we see, you know, a lot of apostles that, you know, weren't there when Christ was killed uh, and tortured, uh, just the the confirmation of the Holy Spirit within them shown by the way that they conducted themselves in, in Acts. It was like a storm front just coming in, and these guys were preaching to people, healing people. And you're like, well, is this the St. Peter? Like, I mean, it's just, yeah. this, this guy is on fire. And going back to the comment you said is that it does always lead back to Christ. The story of Christ was being spoken boldly to the Jews and the Gentiles through the apostles uh, after the, the gift of the Holy Spirit was, was brought upon and formed the church that we know today. Yeah. And, now, we, there, and we see the transformation of the world. Like, you know, we, yeah. we see it immediately like that transforming power of christ yeah and that is still with the church today the transforming power of the holy spirit and you know we we were sharing before we talked about our own personal confirmations where were we you know where where are the kids as they as they grow up like where are they on their spiritual journey how can we help nurture them so that they could be more receptive to these gifts these are important questions but yeah. you know reflecting on my own confirmation and like you know this this process of discerning the seven gifts of the spirit there was no way that i was approaching that maturely at all you know yeah. and there was like a couple of breakthroughs with Oscar Romero movie and St. Valentine and, and a witness from a, a guy who was formerly in, in the mob and, and he had a massive conversion and, and Christ transformed his life. And that was just like mind blowing to me as a young, a young boy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the spirit matures us as we participate in the spiritual gifts that God offers to us. Yeah, and being aware of them is very important. I think that's one of the things that I really like about this episode is we go into them being aware of, you know, if we're Catholic in our confirmation, but being aware as a, just as a Christian, that these are gifts that, you know, we perfect with virtue that help us to live a life that uh, that brings the light of the world, Christ to the world, you know, as doing our part, you know, with those around us. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of other lists in the church. So I don't want anyone to get confused. There's the cardinal virtues, the theological virtues. There's the uh, the charismatic gifts, which is in 1 Corinthians. So things like healing and the gift of tongues and, and prophecy. Those are all specifically different lists um, that have different, uh, I guess, applications. Like the charismatic gifts, they are not given to everybody. They are given to certain people for the benefit of the church, like the gift of prophecy or the gift of healing or discerning spirits. Not everybody has those gifts, but the Holy Spirit gives them to individuals in the church to then flow back. These seven gifts are the gifts, like I said at the beginning, that Aquinas identified are given to every Christian at baptism by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And these are the ones that are coming from, from Christ in his charism. Which is the completion of baptism. So That's it's right. like, you know, confirmation is that completion where we are confirma, that we are signed with chrism. And, and that sign of the cross is sealing us, be sealed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what the bishop expresses over us intentionally as he signs us with the sign of the cross, completing the sacraments of initiation. So it is the very baptismal reality that you're describing, Shield, perfectly, is, is this is lived out as these sevenfold gifts are upon every single incorporated uh, person in the baptismal identity of our mystical body. Like we mm -hmm. are members of the one body of Christ and necessarily these gifts are, are, um, are provided by God's mercy benevolently, graciously upon us. And, uh, and to know them is very important and to, to live them out and use those gifts is very important. So let's break into these seven gifts. Uh, so there's there's a little context for what they are, but let's, and we already gave this list, but again, it's wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of God. Uh, and what I'd like to do, Sheila, like when I, whenever I give a catechesis on the seven gifts of the spirit, uh -huh. I always, I always like to say there are four intellectual gifts. So we can kind of divide them as it relates to the intellect okay. and then, and then the remaining are of the heart. So, you know, when you look at knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and counsel, 
these four gifts are are given so that we can intellectually participate in God's mind, if you will, so mm -hmm. that that we can be informed by knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and counsel. And then when it moves to the heart, then we start looking at piety. You know, we we start we start becoming disposed at the level of the heart in that humble movement of proper worship and righteousness before God, you know, and that sense of what the fear of the Lord is and, and how it could also be uh, taken as um, wonder and awe, you know, that these, that these gifts of the spirit are kind of um, forming the heart and again, proper disposition and humility before God and, and being moved deeply at the level of the heart. And that fortification that comes around us, like Christ is our shield, the gift of the spirit in that form is, is fortifying us uh, over, over our existence, over our, over our soul, over our heart. And uh, so I like to, I like to divide them that way to kind of help people sure. remember that, you know, four and then three uh, gifts of the heart. I like it. Okay. So let's, let's start with wisdom, right? Um, wisdom is having knowledge in, in this specific application and in the intent it is about the knowledge and judgment of divine things and then using that to be able to judge human affairs it's basically saying if you have wisdom you are able to apply the mind of god to the things that you were seeing around you so you're able to judge things in a way in accordance with the heart of god not in accordance with the wisdom of the world. So for example, um, I think um, King Solomon would have had this sort of wisdom in spades, right? Uh, known as this great judge. Uh, again, and this goes to the judgeship of Christ, right? Judge is going, Jesus Christ is going to be the great judge at the end of times. This wisdom and judgment is kind of tied up together. They're kind of synonymous in this. Um, because there's a lot of things to judge. You know, everyone always says, judge not, lest ye be judged, right? And they always forget, because you'll be judged by the same measure with which you judge. So if you're judging people with wisdom, with a kind heart, and with a heart after God's, you should be okay being judged by that same measure. They're not saying, this, this, the verse doesn't say, don't ever judge. It says, judge wisely, and be prepared to be judged by the same measure with which you judge. And wisdom... I think should allow you to be able to say, this is clearly wrong. This is clearly not in accordance with um, scripture, with the church or whatever. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very instinctual in the, the human soul, right? The, you, you know, part of it is learning your faith. Um, just even as I get older, you know, I still see these applied in my life based on how God has acted in my life to this point to be able to understand his mind and his desires for me and my responses, you know, whether they're off track or on track, but just to understand like God wouldn't do this, you know, God, God would speak to me in this particular way. We've communicated before I've made a lot of mistakes. So you're able to discern certain things to uh, decide upon things. And that's just the internal. It's not even judging, um, you know, the actions of another uh, with the mind of God, but also within your own, uh, your own journey too, as well. Mm -hmm. and, and the wisdom that comes from, you know, like really judging in the sense of, you know, what does this relate to divinity? What is this? What is my life? What is the circumstances of my life? Like, how, how am I being drawn into the divine presence of God? And and how I can navigate with wisdom um, all of the all of the worldly trappings in in many ways and all of the worldly goods you know how can I how can I appropriately approach all of these temporal realities with wisdom so that I can utilize what is I'm surrounded by circumstantially and draw into the presence of Almighty God and 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 pursue Him above all above all things. Yeah, I think there's a heart of discernment in wisdom too, and I know you always mention like the the uh, Jesuit practice of discernment, Father Rich. You want to explain that a little bit because I think that's a good exercise to build your wisdom muscle. You know, yeah, and and it is it's a property of of mindfulness, like not in the popularized kind of uh, 
uh, neo new age, uh, new age kind of, yeah. a, a, of an approach. Like, no, it's like recognizing the movements of, um, these realities and discerning them, you know, is, is, is a property of the intellect and, you know, discerning what these effects that they have in my life, like, um, recognizing the discernment of the spirits and, and recognizing whether this is a, a good reality or whether it's an evil reality, or it could be like, you know, the angel of darkness that is cloaked in light. Um, it appears to be good, but then the effect is bad. So it's like, you have to appropriate, appropriate, like the, the sense of discernment in, in relationship to all of that. And I think Ignatius is a, is a master uh, at, at that form of discernment. So, so I got a question. So uh, wisdom and knowledge. So one would think that those two would be synonymous. And I've heard, mm -hmm. uh, I've heard some people say that wisdom is a transcendental it it's it's god acting uh in your life and you understanding something and knowledge uh is more material in a sense uh and and not necessarily a transcendental but this this would this would look at i mean if it's a gift of the holy spirit knowledge then what would be some sort of transcendental some sort of uh acquisition of something through the holy spirit I think I think the the way that we look at wisdom is like and knowledge. Knowledge is is the perspective of looking at this the reality of life through the perspective of God. Then when you look at wisdom, wisdom is a transference of that reality into the heart. So it's like mm -hmm. it's how the intellect passes down and and it starts to choreograph one's integrity and way of life and and that my heart is desiring this intellectual good that I've come to discern. Gotcha. Um, so, so it, it, it is like almost, a, it's the first gift. Wisdom is always, you know, considered, uh, you know, the first gift of the spirit. And, um, but it is fundamental as it, as it relates to the transference to the heart. I, I think a good concept is that wisdom is how we use knowledge, right? Because you can have all the knowledge in the world. I mean, you could be book smart. You can understand all these kinds of theology. You can understand all the teachings of the church. But without wisdom, you can apply them incorrectly. You can apply them as a as a hammer and as a, as a cudgel instead of as something that is meant to be enlightening and is something that is meant to draw you closer to God. I mean, I know that you know earlier in my my faith life that I certainly think I acquired knowledge before I acquired wisdom. And I, sometimes it's just something that comes with age, but also it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to say, look, you've learned all these things. You know these things. You know the precepts of the law. You know the teachings of Scripture. How do you use them? How do you apply them? How do you look at a situation and know which of these things that you know to apply to a situation? How do you say, like, you maybe have an issue with one of your children. How do you recall a parable that you can share that makes an impact? How can you bring up a teaching or a quote from a saint in a certain scenario? You know, that is coming from wisdom, but those things that you are able to give is knowledge. So that's how I like to look at the interplay between knowledge and wisdom. No, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, so understanding is another of those, those first four that you mentioned, Father Rich. And I've heard it explained that understanding, so wisdom is the ability to think like God, right? To see, but understanding is to be able to see like God, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to see with the eyes of God. So you're understanding um, truths. You're understanding people that are necessary for your salvation. So I can know everything and I can know how to apply it, but do I really understand it? Do I really understand what it's doing in my life? Do I really understand why a certain thing is? Again, there's interplay with knowledge. Okay, the church says do this, and scripture says do this. Why? How is that spiritually beneficial? And I think this gift of the spirit is understanding, is knowing, you know, what these things are doing for you spiritually, whether it's a certain prayer life, whether it's a certain scripture, whether it's a teaching. That's how I think understanding um plays off of those first two. Oh, yeah. So it's it seems like the um 
these gifts are very much intertwined in the mind mm-hmm. and heart of a Christian. Uh, and they're they're very subtle in, in terms of it's it's almost a very surgical way to look at how one can obtain knowledge and see uh uh you know with the eyes of Christ. Uh, these little nuances are are very surgically uh, defined. So it's it's kind of interesting how they all play you know, together. Closely. You know, we found the same thing when we did the episode on the Beatitudes, how they all kind yeah. of play that off was a each great other. And they, and they yeah. then, right there, I'll put a link here, but how they play off of each other. And then yeah. you start finding that they, they circularly feed each other. And then you're like, oh, well, if you have understanding, you have wisdom. Well, if you have wisdom, you have understanding. And like, they start to, I think grace builds upon nature and it starts to, Kind of get like a a snowballing effect of these of these uh, gifts of the spirit that one increases the other exponentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and when you think about you know looking through knowledge, the perspective of God, developing in that sense wisdom as it's appropriated, then understanding is is this form of like knowledge of self, like you, you're coming to a greater knowledge of self. This wisdom is to be applied to your heart, strengthening you in the spirit. And then understanding is realizing very powerfully what all of these gifts that are drawn into that communal experience of the Christian fully alive, this follower of Christ mystically fully alive by the spirit of God, the one's supernatural calling into the divinity where the the divine is building on our nature, our human nature actively through grace this gift of the spirit outpouring like we're starting to realize who we are vocationally and that is that's the form of understanding at the deeper level of Mm. you know you go all the way back to the book of genesis it's like how how the preternatural gifts intellectually of adam being able to discern what this created being is and then name it that's the same it's it's all in relationship to god and and it does um it does bring about precision in in your words it brings about a sense of 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 a depth of understanding that is so down to the microscopic level and and that is so beautiful to even reflect on that that god is giving such significance to um our our intellect that we can come into communion with him through the created world around us. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad Adam got that job and not me because I would have named all the animals <laughs> stupid stuff like the horn crested boonswoggle, you know. He came that up was with the cool original like, sin. Right. Yeah, he came up with the cool things like tigers and sharks. And yeah, I would have come up with dumb names. Um, so the fourth of that first of that that first categorization and the last of that that set within a set um is counsel. That's the, the fourth gift here of the Holy Spirit. So counsel can mean two things. One, that you have the gift to be able to counsel others. But I think more importantly, being that as a gift of the Holy Spirit is that you allow yourself to be counseled by God. You allow yourself mm-hmm. to be counseled by the Spirit. You allow yourself to be counseled by Scripture and the church. You allow yourself to be led. So this counsel has a lot to do with humility in that you're able to see those things that are greater than you, acquiesce to them and take that counsel and incorporate it into your life, which again, comes with wisdom, comes with understanding, comes with knowledge uh, that they all play into allowing you to receive counsel and live by it and then pass that same counsel along in the spirit of wisdom, understanding and knowledge to be able to counsel others in the same way. And and that's and that's precisely it, like living the very will of God, mm-hmm. living living the sense of providence, like looking at the realities of life, discerning them, and saying, "Hey, this has happened to me. This is these are the circumstances. This is a situation, and I am seeking God's will in it." In order to seek it, it's like knowledge, wisdom, understanding. We're seeing how those fit, and the counsel is is. God is counseling us to fulfill his will. Yeah. It, to, with with these realities, even with our own sinful pride, like the Felix culpas of life is that something fortunate can come out of my fall. Something fortunate can come out of, of recognizing, yes, 
Now I understand. Mm -hmm. Now I have knowledge of this. Now the wisdom of it is I want to live this and I'm going to fulfill the counsel that I'm being given by God. Mm -hmm. And there's no greater catechesis of counsel that you could provide anybody else uh, in relationship to just living this reality and then helping other people tap into that same gift that is theirs in, in relationship to God. And again, just, you know, practicing over time and learning how God operates in councils, you develop this understanding that just increases in your heart. It's not something you just get immediately. It's it's almost like God just gives us little bits and pieces as we go along to make us, you know, more, uh, you know, readily available to, to utilize these gifts. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how how long it's taken me to learn just a few simple things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it can, you know, like, it's so true. I love that because it does build, you yeah. know, infinitely like God's inexhaustible, you know, unfathomable mercy that is just so rich and profound. It, it continues to get better. And like, initially you just think, Oh, like, Oh yeah, the gifts of the spirit. This is great. Oh. I've got it all. Like I'm, I'm done. You know, like this is, I've graduated. It's like, People go into confirmation, like I've graduated, I've received these gifts, that's it. It's like, no, like as you employ them, he'll start fine tuning you, bro, like at a totally different level. Like yeah. you'll, you're so confused by what's in front of you where it's like, all right, God, like you're affirming this, you're affirming this. How is this all going to work out? I have no idea. Like I feel called in your will to do this. Like you're confounding me right now. And all I am before you is like fear, <laughs> you know, like Lord, yeah. like. I, the magnitude of this does not make sense to me. And he just little by little continues to build you in counsel and the insights, like the intuition aspect of this is, is massive. Like it's so powerful. Um, and, and it is, it's all related to the intellectual gifts of the spirit and how we're being formed in our mind to recognize God's work in our midst by the power of the spirit laying out the path and the, and the very will of God for us to fulfill in life, which is a beautiful mystery of romance and love. Like God's love is what orders all of this, the divine romance. It's, it's just so beautiful. You said something in there that really kind of made me happy and stuck me as something that I really enjoy. <laughs> so you're talking about God's, the infinite nature of God's mercy, right? And how, you know, we think we're so sinful and then God's like, that's nothing compared to my mercy. And I immediately had the thought of, you know, my son, he's about to have his first confession coming up soon. And, you know, so we're, and we're talking about it. And like, so what do you, what are you thinking? You're going to confess. If you started to really think about things, you know, and talking about what's wrong versus, you know, what's a sin and whatnot. And he's like, I just remember that time that I kicked that ball and I broke that vase. And to him, like the world is collapsing and crumbling because he's got the mind mm -hmm. and the, in the, the heart of a child. Right. And but I broke this vase, and there's no way I could ever be forgiven for this. That was such an egregious sin, you know. And then as we get older, our sins grow in magnitude too. But the way that I looked at it, like, okay, that's all right that you broke this, and that it was so easy for me to forgive, but there was so much fear in him of having done that. That's the same way God looks at us, even in our greatest sins, even in our most egregious sins. God looks at us like we broke a vase, and it's like, oh, hey, look, I'm here to give you this mercy. And, and sometimes, dude, I love that. Sometimes I get, I understand God the most by my relationship with my children. Oh, it's beautiful, and, you know. And and thinking like that, how I feel towards my children, God feels us towards towards us in an infinite amount more. That's yeah. why these gifts are, are so so cool. But yeah, that that made me think of that. It, it, you know what it reminds me of too is uh, when I started to get to know Father Tetlow. And, you know, I was raised by a mother who was had to be a father, too. So it was like Texas justice. You know what I mean? Like my mom was just like so tough. And, uh, you know, like the slightest. You know, I can't imagine your mom being tough. She's so I know sweet. she's as sweet as can be now. But when she was raising me and I was being, you know, my young Richie Pagano self, it was not it was not very easy on her. And um, but I, I, I still recall like. Father Tetlow had that legend. You remember that uh, that car, the legend, um, yeah. the Acura? And <laughs> I, I remember driving. I love this thing. It was sweet, man. It had like 130,000 miles on it, but it still rode beautifully. Great suspension, leather seats, like a, a like a dark forest green. It was a beautiful car. 
and he used to throw me the keys and I'd take it around, whatever. And, and, um, I was pulling in one day and I didn't see that somebody had a hitch attached to their, <laughs> their truck and the hitch went straight through the, uh, the bumper. And I looked, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I was mortified, you know? <laughs> and I'm like equivocating it to my mother in Texas justice. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm going to go tell father Tetlow. He's going to be so upset at me. I don't want to upset him, you know? And I, I went up to him like, Hey, father Tetlow, like I, I accidentally ran into a hitch and left a huge hole in the, uh, the legend. He's like, ah, oh, buddy, it doesn't matter. Don't yeah, worry, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's him. I'm like, what? I was blown away by his mercy. He didn't even want to go look at the at the damage. You know, I'm like, incredible. That's Just one of his gifts. You know, he's got. Oh, a totally. The yeah. generosity of his love and mercy is like the father, yeah. man. It's like he's God, such a great yeah. priest. Yeah. Don't expect such to say mercy priest. for me. Uh, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. That was that first set. Those are the ones, Father Rich, that you said kind of are the gifts that affect the mind. And then there's the last three that affect the gifts of, that affect the heart. Now, before we do that, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors because they've got some great gifts for you in the forms of discount and great tools that you can certainly use to harness and cultivate these gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> um, the first is Hollow. Hollow is the world's number one Catholic prayer app. Uh, over a billion prayers have been said through this app. It has so many amazing features. Uh, right now, they've got a great thing, uh, Pray 25 Challenge for Advent. They have a lot of Christmas music. They have a Christmas, uh, 12 Days of Christmas with Ben Rector. They've got Sacred Chant. They've got uh, coming up for the new year. They have uh, Bible of the Year, the Catechism of the Year with Father Schmitz. They have daily rosaries. They have uh, night prayers. They have sleep aids. They have so much. They sermons and homilies by bishop Barron. they have this app really has so many resources i don't think there's one person who couldn't find something beneficial in this app yeah day or night you know like and all throughout the day like just the liturgy of the hours and praying with the readings every day your daily readings the gospel readings you know it's it's really beautiful to see even in in the parish i'm seeing young people uh utilizing hallow in preparation for mass and having some quiet time uh, before before the celebration of the Holy Eucharist and really preparing themselves. It, it's really helpful as as a priest to have this tool at your, you know, in your arsenal to be able to reach out to people and help them navigate through all of the distractions of life and provide them in the convenience of their own phone, the very library of our Catholic traditions and teachings and so many spiritual resources to grow in that daily prayer and that daily integration of our faith. So we really love partnering with Hallow and, and uh, you know, longtime friendship too. What a gift to see what they're doing. Yeah. So if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, you can try the app out entirely free, get all the free, uh, get a premium uh, membership and try it out free. See if it's something that really does enrich your life. Uh, I know I use it every day. Hundreds of thousands of people use this and a billion prayers have been set on. So go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow. Uh, the second sponsor that we want to give a shout out to is Exodus 90. Exodus 90 is a men's program that really helps men strive to become who God wants them to be. I, you know, I think Exodus 90, I think over 80,000 men have went through this program uh, with the four pillars of prayer, fasting, fraternity, and asceticism. Um, and this program helps men get rid of the unnecessary and superfluous stuff that's holding their life back. It's like um, media and frivolity and spending and, and diet. And, and it really kind of, I guess, sharpens you as a man. I think this program really fits great with the topic of this episode of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because this is what Exodus 90 is all about. It's about um, using fraternity, asceticism, and, and these things to refocus on what the Holy Spirit is asking from you, what God has made you to be, and what Christ calls you to be. Uh, guys, you guys have both done Exodus 90. What was your experience? Yeah, nobody's it's like ever... hard. Go for it, Deli. Uh, I was just going to say, nobody's ever said, hey, you know, I did this Exodus 90 thing and it sucked. <laughs> you know, it's always like... I've very... never heard that. Yeah. I haven't yeah. either. It's all, it's all very transformative. Uh, you have brothers that, uh, you know, you go through this with and you, you have very strong bonds of men that look at their lives and say, man, since we've been doing this, 
this is improved. This is improved. Okay, let's keep each other on this path. Uh, thank God for Exodus 90, because that's just, it's been a very significant, you know, just like Hallow, we've, we've been a part of their growth too as well. I'm watching them grow and rooting them on and cheering them on. Thousands of our listeners do it. So I uh, can't, uh, can't talk more highly ab- about them, you know? Yeah. And I, I think the way that I would describe Exodus and the experience is it's like a hard reboot. Like it's like a hard reset of your, of your community. It's like you shut everything down. <laughs> And then as a result of that, the the resetting of your mind, your heart, your body and your soul and and really kind of centering back on the principles of the exercises that are related to our Christian faith, our Catholic faith is is very important. So I I don't think there's a, a program out there for men that's better suited and in respect to iron sharpening iron, when you have men that come together and they are a part of this charged reform of their own personal lives, there's strength in that in that fraternity. And and the strength really pours into the ascetical life and and the sacrifices. And you start seeing the benefits of them in the same way that you would see in exercise. And that's why I love that exercise is a part of this as well. You know, it really reorients you. And there's no greater way to kind of set a New Year's resolution than being in an Exodus group. So we want to encourage all of the men out there to check out CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus and get on the get on the train, man. Get on this uh, get on this movement. I mean, over 100,000 men and counting. And we want that number to continue to grow as we partner with Exodus. That's right. The 90 day Exodus starts on January 1st this year. That's so fortuitous. Look, for all you people looking to make a change in the new year, Exodus starts on January 1st and leads you all the way up to Easter 90 days later. What a great way to change your life and reorient yourself and then come out on the other side of Easter as a new man and a man that you'd be proud to be and that God wants you to be. So CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus. The last one, Father Rich, these are really exciting. I'm really looking forward to this. This is States of Faith. Uh, States of Faith is brought to you by Catholic Concepts, the same people who bring you great things like Sacrilegious or That One Sheep. And what they do is they have all these great products that um, feature the different states of the United States, right? Right there, there's my dear sweet home of Ohio. Hit the head with Florida. Yeah, but that's what Florida does. Florida hits you in the head. <laughs> Ohio is right. right? but um, they make um, these great products, whether it's wall art, whether it's shirts, hoodies, stickers that help you, I guess, show your pride in in both your faith and in in your home state. Um, I like that one. I forgot the Ohio plaque, but we need to hang that up on the wall so that there's a piece of Ohio, like a little consulate there in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And and we got to, we got to raise up. I just love that. The, you know, the, the patriotic rosary is such a staple to so many Knights of Columbus organizations mm. around the uh, around the world and really in our country. And and that um that effort is very symbolically drawn up in these, uh, you know, in, in prayerful, you know, union in your shrine in the chapel, you know, to be able to have your state and to pray for the people that are your neighbors to love them in that way is is really a beautiful concept and artistically it's a great point of catechesis too like i i love it they, yeah they got some great stuff they got they got some great shirts that i absolutely 100 would wear yeah uh, you know and it blends you know the gift of the rosary and with your patriotic and your love for home right and it, it helps you pray for your community it helps you display that your community is a place of faith um check them out uh they got Every state of the union, you can search by the map. So you go there, you go to the website, they got the map, you click on your state, it shows you everything. I mean, whether you're from South Dakota, Rhode Island, Alaska, New York, Texas, it doesn't matter. Big and small, they've got a state. Um, they've got the products for your state outlined in the rosary. So if you go to statesoffaith.com, you can use the code TALK10 to save 10% on your entire order. Uh, check it out. It's a, it's a, it's a great fun thing. They make great gifts. They make great things to have around the office, great things to hang up around the home or great things to wear. So we can't recommend them enough. And like I said, great quality made by Catholics in America by the same people who make sacrilegious uh, Catholic concepts. So again, statesoffaith.com, use the code TALK10. So uh, big shout out to all those sponsors who helped make um, the show possible. 
so let's get back into these last three gifts of the Holy Spirit, Father Rich. Like you said, these are the ones that, and I had never heard that before. These are the ones that affect the heart. And I think that's a really great way to kind of conceptualize and, and, and categorize these. Uh, this may be the one that I think of myself having the most, and that's fortitude, right? And I, as we're going through this, I can say, well, I can, I need to work on this. I, I do good on this. And then I'm like, okay, I think I have a lot of fortitude. Then I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, no, I don't at all. I'm so weak in this and I need the Holy Spirit to help me. So <laughs> fortitude really is a firmness of mind to reject evil, to uh, reject spiritual laziness, to reject um, being demoralized by obstacles in your path, right? To have a vision of heaven and that is what you're locked on to no matter what's thrown at you that could be a hard one in today's world i mean there's so many things just chipping away your confidence chipping away your faith chipping away your 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 will chipping away your vigor and to have fortitude certainly i think in today's day and age is really a gift of the holy spirit it, it makes me think of i think i've shared this before in the uh, wisdom of the desert fathers there's this uh this young novice, and he's talking to the abbot of the monastery, and he's like, I had a vision of the future. And in the future, men can't even pray for 10 minutes. They can't fast for more than an hour. Um, how how does the church survive in the future when men are so weak? And the abbot, in his wisdom and his counsel, said, In the future, mankind is fighting Satan unchained. We fight him chained, so it's easy. So those in the future fighting Satan unchained are having greater fortitude that they can fast or pray at all. And then we really are like that in the world today. So this is a gift that I really think that we should try to oh, harness and really cultivate in our lives. It can't mm -hmm. be overlooked. Yeah. And, and something too, that I'd like to add to, to fortitude. So it, this kind of shielding, this fortification over our lives, over our mind, heart, body, and soul, like God desires to fortify us in every respect and fortifying us also means you know that we would be given the gift of perseverance and endurance in the state of this battle that that shield just expressed perfectly like the in the battle of life like we need to be fortified and we need to protect our resources and protect our gifts and and that needs to be governed over the mind the heart the body the soul and and realizing that God is God is providing you the advocacy, the the sense of advocate, the sense of counselor, Parakletos, um, in in the Greek, like uh, he's actively pursuing us in order to provide this fortification over the dignity of our lives conformed in Christ. Like uh, there is a image and likeness that is the gift to our humanity that must be preserved and endure the evils of the unchained uh, demonic activity that is happening in the world. So the desperate nature of our humanity crying out to God for his divine assistance is met by the rushing the, the, the Pentecost, the rushing gift of this birth, this new birth that we experience in our life of Christ. Yeah, the, uh, th these are great uh, concepts of fortitude and uh, or applications of fortitude and 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 your life. Um, I I you know because I I immediately thought like you know again this journey that we're on the fortitude that we have uh, to to drive through the unknown with saying to yourself like God will reveal Himself to me through these circumstances right where a lot of people just give up and. Um, maybe resort back to sin or, um, you know, discontinue prayer. You know, a lot of times we have to get back up, you know what I mean? And, and, and doing that through our conscience and going back to Christ and the sacraments, a lot of that develops more fortitude and more trust that, you know, you're standing on firm ground, you know, and where you are in your faith right now. And a lot, a lot of people have like struggle with that. I see that in the comments a lot. A lot of people struggle with their faith and, and fortitude is something that, uh, allows them to tap into something that's been given to them to continue to grow even through uh, painful circumstances. So this is a perfect segue. So fortitude is this sense of 
like, you know, having that protection over our, our, our resources and over our lives. And then, you know, what does this give us? It gives us a strength of being fearless in the context of this battle, knowing that God is laying out his will for our lives, knowing that he is informing us in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding counsel, and that we are being fortified in this battle. It gives us that sense of piety, you know, this next gift of the spirit that is appropriate in our relationship with God, because it starts to move our hearts in proper worship of God, and that it is a virtue that is the religious expression of our disposition in the virtue of justice and how we treat one another and what is due to God. And, that's it, and yeah. you know, that that's the that's the heart of it. Yeah, uh, uh, piety, the Latin word piety comes pietas, which is from the, it has like the sense of what's due to your father and to your country, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a duty in piety. And, and I think a lot of times in the modern world, piety has a negative connotation, like, oh, they're so overly pious, or they're very rigid, very strict. Piety is what is due to God. Piety is what is due to your response to the uh, precepts of the church, to the example of the saints, to other people being creations of God, being children of God, that is what your piety is due. Piety is a responsibility. Piety is not just kissing the toe of a statue. That's 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 a religious practice. Piety is giving the due respect, love, and service to what is owed properly. And and that's I think not a bad way thing. to. You know, it's a great thing. And I like how you you kind of highlighted devotional life yeah. as as these are pious acts. Yeah, right. But piety is dispositional. That's right. It is the very uh humility of of like I am before God in that sense of my body and soul, and I am humbled before God, and I now I have a proper relationship and a bond with God that that calls me to this greater justice, calls me to this greater establishment of how I'm relating to all of these things. And I'm seeing now all of these things being providence. I'm seeing all of this as being um, in, in, in my piety. I am appropriating all of these things in my life according to God's plan for me. And even in respect to like enduring trials and and balancing the hard things of life, even when it comes to like challenges with, that we find in the church or difficulties with the hierarchy or difficulties with um, the challenges we face within our local parish, with our priest, with our, uh, you know, fraternity and presbyterate, like all of that comes down and boils down to like, well, what's going to hold you in the challenging moments? Well, it's piety. Like it is the relationship with God. Like the, the joy of the Lord is, is my strength, right? The scripture says that like, but it's, it's, it's in that proper relationship with God that gives you the very endurance that, that is manifested in piety. Yeah. I mean, look at how piety plays off all these other things, right? Piety is what's due. And so you have the wisdom to know what's due, the knowledge to know what's due. You have the strength to still do it. You have You've listened to the council that it's good to do. Piety is kind of, in some sense, a culmination of taking all these gifts and then giving them back and right. giving giving the uh, justice that is due to having received them. It can be viewed as the gratitude, right? For all these gifts that you're getting. You have gratitude, so you give them back and you use them and dispose them in a proper way. I, I really, really, really see in the modern world, piety is, it's, it's a dirty word. Piety, piety. I love good. I love. Yeah. Pope, I love it's Pope almost... Francis's uh, reflection on this too. That piety is not merely an outward religious religious action. It's not outward religiosity. Right. Um. I like the word merely because it, it can include that. Like right. there, there is an aspect of that. Um. But it is that genuine religious spirit which makes us turn to the Father as his children and to grow in our love for others, seeing them as our brothers and sisters and recognizing that interdependency, recognizing the importance of loving my enemy, of, of blessing those who curse me and and uh, praying for people to prosper who are persecuting. Like that's you have to be pious in respect to your relationship with God to do those types of things because you need the help of the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, it's something I I didn't know too much about. Like piety with me is kind of like the traditional uh, forms of like, you know, practices. You know, it's a very pious practice. Uh, She says, you know, the rosary every day. She's pious, you know. Um, I think this distinction is done me a lot of good too just recognizing it's an offering of what is owed to god given well, to I, you you know you know delhi like it's so true and and i think another gift that is often uh you know misunderstood is fear of the lord mm, don't you think yeah. Shil? oh 100 you know fear of the lord you hear that you're like oh you're afraid of god because he's going to punish you that is not what that means I think there's three ways that people tend to love God, right? One, they love God like with the mindset of a slave and they're afraid of the punishment. Mm. That that's valid, right? That's valid that your your actions deserve their just punishment. So that's the fear of a slave that they don't want to offend the master because they don't want to be punished. Then there's people who love God like a like a servant who get a benefit from it. And they think that by serving God, they can win heaven. That's not, there's, a, there's an aspect of doing your responsibility. There's an aspect of serving God that's good. But I think the best way to love God is to love God as a parent, as somebody who fully participates and everything that the Lord has to give is yours by birthright. That you're not loving out of fear. You're not loving out of what you can get in return, but you love out of pure love. That is fear of God. Not that you're afraid that God's going to punish you, but that you never want to be cut off from him because you love him so much because you find so much peace and solace in him. Perfect, dude. That's perfect. The first mover. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's like the mag, you know, talk about magnanimity, (laughs) like, you know, like God's, you know, (laughs) God who is, and, you know, God who has always been like the creator of heaven and earth. Uh, time is not constrained God at all. It's like the the power, the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God. Like it, it's in that context that, you know, when we receive such sevenfold gifts of the spirit and we aren't even breaking into the other charismatic gifts like you were mentioning before, like h- how all things are gifts <laughs> from God, like the providence of God, even the challenging moments is the gift from God. And I love I love St. Francis. I always return to St. Francis of Assisi as it relates to fear of the Lord because it, it ties in very well with what you're saying, Shio. Um, we must all be on guard against pride and empty boasting and beware of worldly or natural wisdom. A worldly spirit loves to talk a lot but do nothing, striving for the exterior signs of holiness that people can see, the false sense of piety, with no desire for true piety and interior holiness of the spirit. Humility, patience, perfect simplicity, and true peace of heart are all its aim, but above everything else, it desires the fear of God. The fear mm-hmm. of the Lord, mm-hmm. the divine wisdom and the divine love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we see people, you know, realizing this and their spiritual journey, that they have been given this divine wisdom and divine love in the form of these gifts, we are desperate in fear of being separated from that power, from that love, from that divinity. And, and that's the disposition of Francis's humility that's so so perfectly uh, an example for all of us in relationship to fear of the Lord. Like he would do anything in order to stay attached to the gifts of God. Yeah, I think that shows how fundamental fear of the Lord, maybe all of these other ones are predicated on fear of the Lord. Like I, I like you watch like an old, an old cowboy movie, an old Western movie. They're like, you know, you got, you know, they're out shooting people and doing this and that, but like, but I'm a God fearing man. Right. At the, you know, everything kind of flows from, and that's a statement we should bring back. Yeah. I'm a God fearing man (laughs) because why do you want these things? Why do you, why do you want to be wise? Why do you want to have counsel? Why do you want to have fortitude? It's because you fear the Lord because you don't ever want to be separated from him and you fear his just judgments. There is that aspect. The alternatives suck. Yeah. (laughs) 
They, yeah, and you <laughs> and you respect and you understand that there is somebody who can ultimately judge everything that you do and give you good or negative justice on your actions. So, you know, a way that that we want to conclude the show today is by turning to the catechism. And now that we've kind of covered these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've also touched on the fact that there are charismatic gifts in scripture that we encourage you to read, we also want to encourage you to pick up the catechism and go to the third part of the catechism, which is life in Christ. And in the section on grace, you're going to see a full treatment of how the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst. But what is the Holy Spirit getting at in relationship to all these gifts? Like, how can we tie them all together? And, and I think the, the way that the catechism expresses this in reference number 1995 in the, in the first sentence is just so helpful because it, it gives us an insight into the working of grace and the works of the Holy Spirit, these gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they're aiming at. The Holy Spirit is the master of the interior life by giving birth to the inner man justification entails the sanctification of the whole being so again that whole sense of mind body soul heart like the gifts of the mind the gifts of the heart how these gifts also interplay between mind and heart and how they're transferred it's like we're being built up we're being fortified entirely for this work to be done the sanctification and justification so what's happening is is that this interior life is being born in us. And when, when we talk about the indelible sign, this indelible mark over us, which means it cannot be deleted, it can't be erased from us, that is associated with the sacraments of initiation and baptism and confirmation, that, that this sign of, you know, of the cross over us that we are chrismed with, this, this sign that, that we are anointed with chrism and washed clean in the waters of baptism, um, this can never be taken away. But we could also ignore these gifts. We could also just kind of turn our minds away from them and not employ them in a proper relationship with God. So they are resting upon you in virtue of your baptism. Like, like St. Thomas Aquinas said that she'll reminded us like, Every single one of us have these gifts. So let's employ them actively and allow the Holy Spirit to master our interior life. That is a unique gift to us. No other person can repeat the giftedness that you are. And allowing the Spirit to build you in that way, you are then now this gift inside the mystical body of Christ, many members, and what's being built up again is the very kingdom of God revealing this union that we all have in God with one another. So, you know, I just, I love preaching on the seven gifts of the spirit and I'd love this conversation. It's been so insightful for me just to, to listen to you guys and how it's playing out in your life. Yeah. Now this is a great episode and um, I think we should do more of these, get into the, you know, the seven um, uh, virtues and get into the nine yeah. um, uh, charismatic gifts. Because I think these things are important, and these are things that used to be taught fundamentally, you know, within yeah. the Baltimore Catechism that I think most Catholics just don't even know or consider anymore. And they're so, so helpful. Uh, they've been helpful for all the history of the church. I think they're things that we should try to do our best to bring back. And um, now, again, I just want to give a shout out to all of our patrons. Uh, your gift really does help us to continue to make this show. That is the way that you can participate um, in the mission that we have to evangelize. I mean, we have been in every country in the world almost. We have over 10 million listeners have listened to the show. Um, and it's because of your generosity. So if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, um, you can find different ways to support us. And we're not looking for any big, big financial supporting, uh, you know, commitments. It's a couple dollars, you know, but that goes a long way when all of you come together to help us. So we really appreciate that. Um, and all and, of the tiers, they're all approachable. And we've got some awesome gear to send yeah, your way. I love these new Catholic talk show uh, hats. I absolutely love them. And you're wearing the and, hoodie too. And I'm wearing the hoodie. This is my yeah. favorite hoodie. It's comfortable. It's comforting. <laughs> like I, I I love it. Like your and, socks. Uh, it's cold outside. Yeah. And my socks. What tier did you so, yeah, join? 
I'm looking forward to uh <laughs> like what five years ago? Yeah. Um the I'm looking forward to uh the sock religious uh you know and, and the four mark socks that mm-hmm. we're gonna have in our tiers to come. So make sure that you're checking out our tiers, make sure that you're checking out our Patreon. Again, a big thank you from all of us. Uh, and as we continue to build out these gifts that God has given us, make sure that you're offering charitable comments and supporting one another. That's something that I love to see in response to our, our shows whenever we release them. People are saying hello to one another and, and affirming one another and praying for one another. Let's continue to do that united in Christ. And we will see you next week. God bless. Amen.